Hey guys, it's C.S. Joseph with csjoseph.life doing another episode for season 21. This is going to be episode 8, How to Social Engineer ENTPs. Uh, I have not been around in a while, haven't done any uh, live streams, and uh, I just haven't been around. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for this. Uh, dealing with some stuff in real life, uh, which I'm handling, and uh, also been spending a lot of time with my children recently, especially since it's the holiday season. And uh, today is Christmas Day, after all, uh, and uh, it was great to be able to uh, spend time with my children and whatnot. Also, I got the flu as well, and I'm still coming off of the flu uh, right now, but uh, I am getting better. I probably kind of sound a little raspy or something with my voice and if that's the case well that's why it's because I have the flu or coming off the flu anyway so uh, but yeah welcome to uh, my car studio my car is not in motion right now but uh, I mean that's just kind of where it's at and yes I have my whiteboard um, this particular camera is not ideal it's not my preference because the other camera that I use you can actually see the entire whiteboard but this is a, uh, I mean, this will be fine for now. I'm not really, you don't need to spend as much uh, attention on the whiteboard uh, for this particular example for social engineering um, ENTPs. Plus, it's like after 5 p.m., so that means the sun's going down. So I got my little trusty flashlight here to make sure that there's some light. And uh, yeah, I don't have very much time these days, and that's why I started the car studio uh, because. It's important that I can have, whenever I get the chance to actually uh, film a lecture, I'm going to do it. And be that in my studio that I'm building or the car studio. Uh, had some issues with the GoPro Hero 7. Apparently, you can't charge it and put like a sound sound equipment inside of it with a 3.5mm without it breaking. Because apparently Hero 7s are crap like that. So, uh, I wish GoPro would figure that out. Because otherwise, we'd be doing this, you know, properly. So... But I'm still working on that, and uh, still a, a good chance of uh, being able to um, provide uh, that GoPro experience. Uh, we're getting there, so uh, thank you all for your patience. So, Anyway, with that being said, let's just get down into the lecture. So, how to, how to social engineer uh, ENTPs. It has taken me a, a little bit longer than usual to try to properly plan out this particular episode. Uh, this episode... This episode uh, will be very difficult for me because this is this is about my type, and I'm going to be sharing examples of when I was social engineered in my life, uh, uh, be it from a religious standpoint. Um, I'm also going to be sharing some historical anecdotes uh, in terms of other ENTPs out there when they were social engineered and what happened to them as a result and how they dealt with it, uh, how they dealt with the uh, the fallout from that uh, form of manipulation, etc. But uh, largely, this scenario, I'm actually going to be sharing uh, something about me and uh, going to be talking about one of my deepest, darkest secrets, uh, something that I haven't shared with, with anyone. I have not shared it with anybody before until now. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like up there with like coming out of the closet, basically, in terms of, uh, you know, some of the greatest shame in my life as a result of being social engineered and uh, not really understanding the dynamics of social engineering at that point in time in my life. So anyway, uh, 
So anyway, uh, take take this episode. Um, I would say with a grain of salt, more like um, understand um, the amount of effort, uh, emotional effort that was uh, put into this particular episode. Because I mean, I with the ENTP episodes, I really want to go out of my way uh, with them, especially since like they're my own type. But I need to be as real and as as authentic as possible. Because think about it. The Virtue and Vice episode, I basically revealed that ENTPs are all about being sincere or insincere, which basically makes them the best possible liars. So when you already know that your type has the reputation of being, you know, probably one of the best liars that people encounter, uh, etc., it's kind of, um, it kind of, it, it's difficult. It, it, it can actually be pretty difficult. So, so based on that, uh, let's, um, let's just understand, you know, that, I'm trying to be as authentic and as real as possible. Uh, that way, uh, this audience can really reach a better understanding of ENTPs. I mean, ENTPs' number one need out there is uh, to be trusted and be given the benefit of the doubt. But their number two need, um, although the order of the needs may actually change in a future uh, season, I'm, I'm probably going to be doing uh, a season about uh, all of the needs, the top needs of each of the types and how to meet those needs for each of the types for whatever reason. Uh, but specifically the ENTP, another one of their needs is is to be understood. And that's why one of the reasons why I'm doing this because so few people understand ENTPs, they write them off. I've been written off so many times in my life and due to that lack of understanding, it's been extremely frustrating to actually, you know, live basically uh, day to day, even even within my own immediate family. I'm the only pragmatic in a family of affiliatives and it's very frustrating, right? Uh, even my children are affiliative, right? So when they're constantly trying to figure out their dad who's just doing what works while everyone else has the social standard of the family of doing the right thing because they're affiliative, that's really frustrating because I'm pragmatic, they're affiliative, right? If you need to know more about that, watch season 15 playlist here on the YouTube channel or on the podcast. Um, but <clears throat> be that as it may, um, understand though that like, when it comes to social engineering ENTPs, most people think ENTPs can't be manipulated because people see ENTPs as the master manipulator types. And they're not wrong. ENFPs and ENTPs, both of them, are the most manipulative of all of the types. Probably all of the types combined. Uh, they're, they're insanely good at it. And don't forget, you know, all social interaction is manipulation, positive or negative. doesn't matter. Like, all of it is. Like, literally all. Uh, so don't judge ENTPs or ENFPs so harshly on that. Uh, there's reasons why they have to wear masks with people, because if they actually just be themselves, no one wants to be around them, much less like them, or can suffer them, basically. So instead, they have to protect they have to pretend to be someone else, wear a mask with each individual human being they come into contact with. It's mostly with ENTPs because of sincerity versus insincerity, but ENFPs do have this sometimes as well because ENFPs are very afraid of other people thinking that they're stupid, whereas it's more of um, uh, ENTPs are concerned that other people won't find them valuable, right? So it, it's, it's, a, it's a different point of view, um, but it is necessary to kind of understand. Um, but Again, by and large, most people think ENTPs are not so easily manipulated or social engineered. And I'm here to say it's actually insanely easy. It's extremely easy to manipulate and social engineer these people, especially since they've been doing it so long, they just don't see it coming when it happens to them, right? Now, 
Of course, if they're very, very, very experienced in manipulation and social engineering, yeah, sure, typically it would be harder to con them. But uh, sometimes in the long run, it can actually be easier to con the con artist. And since ENPs are like con artists for the most part, uh, it is very important to understand the mechanics of the con and also the mechanics of how to you know break into their mind and uh, do with it as you will, basically, and bend the ENP to your will. And that's what this episode is about. This episode is about how to build, how to bend an ENTP to your will in a social engineering situation or scenario. So, but yeah, it's very easy. <clears throat> but just remember, from a virtue and vice standpoint, because ENTPs are master liars, they can easily sense that they're being lied to, and they can easily sense when they're being manipulated. So you have to go in a different direction, a complete different direction. And really, you have to use the you know a similar method that we've been using with all of the other social engineering lectures that we've done so far here on uh, CSJ, and that is you know you want to make sure that you're emulating, or you actually are or you're at least putting forward the type that they are most compatible with. And in this particular case, the type that is most compatible with an ENTP is the INTJ type, right? They have the highest compatibility due to cognitive synchronicity. Uh, if you don't understand cognitive synchronicity, you need to watch season five here on the YouTube uh, playlist uh, or on the podcast. Season five talks about cognitive synchronicity and how the functions together have their own latent compatibilities and incompatibilities. And it, and it shows how extroverted functions are consuming introverted functions fair enough uh, so anyway uh, but yeah it's uh, the thing is though is that because ENTPs are master liars and uh, masters at manipulation and narrative etc in the same way that uh, ENFPs are but probably more so because ENTPs understand the truth I mean an ENTP mentor of mine once taught me you know sometimes the best lies are the ones that you can make come true or the best lies are the ones that you can mix with the truth so that people can't tell the difference between what is true and what is false and that's how you're able to get away with your manipulation and your social engineering and I was taught by this social engineer specifically for that purpose to social engineer other human beings uh, so in some kind of um, you know simulated undercover uh, uh, game that we are playing uh, to to you know increase our social engineering skills basically so um, but yeah like there's 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 so many different kinds of, uh, of ways to do it but predominantly the actual method is is that you want to emulate INTJ why is that? Why do you want to emulate INTJ, which is the highest compatibility with the ENTP? The reason is, is because you're trying to cause the ENTP to become loyal to you. That's the point. You want the ENTP to become loyal to you. Loyal to you, loyal to your cause, willing to sacrifice themselves for your sake. That is, and sacrifice their time, uh, sacrifice uh, their money, sacrifice their thoughts, sacrifice their effort, effort specifically for you. And, uh, and you could do this by playing upon their faith. And what part of them has faith? Well, if you look at the uh, nice trusty whiteboard right here, we have the uh, ENTP ego right here and the inferior function right there, the inferior function, that is where their faith is. Introverted sensing is the faith function, is where a person's faith exists, and because it's the inferior function, it's where they're insecure, and all you have to do is convince the ENTP to put their faith in you. By putting your faith, by putting their faith in you, they are loyal to you, and you have them. 
you literally have them. And uh, an example, and this is one of my greatest shames in life, an example of me being taken advantage in this way was actually um, in my very young adulthood, I got involved in this church. Um, uh, it was a church up in Mount Vernon, Washington, and um, they're they're doing this uh, particular sermon series and series of lectures, and it was basically all about uh, you know giving money and uh, and uh, you know oh if you if you give ten percent of what you own you know uh, God's gonna bless you you know it's basically you're trading money for blessings is, is essentially the uh, the aspect of the, uh, the the lecture the sermon series themselves and they kept on saying like give and it shall be given to you it's the law of the harvest etc etc while there is definitely something to the law of the harvest as people would claim it is it was definitely a manipulative tactic to cause people to give money. I ended up putting my faith into that church, into uh, the words that the preacher was saying, and I ended up giving a very, very large sum of money to the church at that point in time, such that, such that I, uh, such that my my wife at the time, now ex-wife, lost all respect for me, completely lost all respect for me. That we gave so much, and we got completely screwed financially as a result of that and uh, that also um, somewhat led into our um, our homelessness uh, at, at that which happened shortly thereafter and uh, it's, it's my fault it's completely my fault because I allowed myself to be social engineered I allowed myself to be manipulated by that preacher and then you know to put my faith in the wrong thing and I had faith in him I had faith in the church I had faith in God you know that I was going to be getting some blessing because I gave this huge amount of money basically all the money that I had to this church it's very embarrassing like very embarrassing not as embarrassing as what I'm going to tell later in this episode but that's still pretty embarrassing the thing is a lot of people out there just don't really understand that that's actually very common it's extremely common especially in in western churches uh, for that to happen and it's one of the reasons why I'm actually a very anti-church person I'm not an anti-spiritual person by any means but I'm an anti-church person because I don't main I maintain that the church system itself is corrupt and and not a system that should basically exist further, um, be allowed to exist further. It needs to be fundamentally transformed, changed, or removed entirely and have something else replace it because it's not exactly useful in its current form. Many of you, I'm sure, would disagree with me in that, but that's just kind of how I feel about it. Um, now, obviously, my experience is not everyone else's experience, and that's just basically my opinion and my bias regarding church, but fair enough. I'm not, I use biblical concepts all the time because I care about the wisdom that comes you know, from the Bible as well as other sources, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm trying to sell you on church or sell you on, on a religion or, or spirituality of any kind. It's not about that. It's about the facts, right? So, uh, but yes, I, I was I was social engineered um, by uh, that preacher, and I gave that huge amount of money to that church, much to my detriment, which ultimately contributed to me becoming homeless with uh, my now ex-wife, and then my son ended up being born into homelessness, specifically as a result of that poor decision making on my part, uh, which was which was really dumb, and I swore to myself I would never do it again. It gets even worse than that. It gets worse because I was a hypocrite. 
I had judged my own father for doing the same thing years prior. He literally did the same thing years prior, gave money to a church such that he was liable for $330,000 on a $1.5 million building that a bunch of the elder families of the church signed on, etc. And uh, that that church uh, ended up folding, and they, they there was no money bringing in, there was no giving happening, and then because of that, uh, there was no way that uh, there was just absolutely no way that the uh, that the church was going to be able to maintain the income, so it went under, and he lost out of that, and he ended up becoming liable for three hundred thirty thousand dollars, even though he got absolutely nothing for it, and uh, and I judged him harshly. I, I'll admit it, I judged him harshly, and then here here it is the same thing I ended up committing the same sin as it were uh, and then I, I'm a hypocrite because I judge my father so harshly you know so <laughs> don't forget judge not or you too will be judged by the same measure right that you have judged with and well that's what happened to me and uh, and it contributed to me losing my marriage and having a really rough scenario with raising my son uh, which which sucked and yeah well I completely deserve it and that's what I get for being so gullible or for or not really much gullible as much as it is me putting my faith in the wrong thing gullibility is more of an INTJ thing but um, but uh, but to an ENTP it's all about putting your faith in the wrong thing because ENTPs believe it or not are actually some of the most faithful of all the types if not potentially the most faithful of all the types when they are aspiring with their ISFJ subconscious. The absolute most faithful of all the types are the ENTP, which means ENTPs could potentially actually become the most patient, the most enduring, the most long-suffering of all of the types. And that's something very significant when they're aspiring with their SI inferior, but that can also be easily taken advantage of, which we'll uh, definitely uh, take, a, take a look at. Uh, another example of social engineering from uh, an ENTP standpoint. This is a historical example. Uh, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, in the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, which if you're an ENTP and you haven't read the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, what are you doing? Like seriously, go buy that book. The uh, audio version is actually really good. And read or w listen to the entire thing. And in uh, Benjamin Franklin's autobiography, he talks about how... <coughs> When he was 17, I believe he was when he was 17, uh, he, it was his dream to own his own printing press shop and uh, get involved in that. Or maybe it's when he was 19. He was still a teenager at the time. And uh, he was living in Boston. And I think his brother was also in Boston with, with a print shop and a printing press, etc. And Benjamin Franklin... Uh, had somewhat of a reputation in town at that time, but not, but not much. And uh, but there is like a local governor of some kind. I think he was a, a governor of the colony or 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 a mayor. I don't remember his specific title, but let's say governor. And his governor came up to Benjamin Franklin one day uh, and befriended him and became his friend. And Benjamin Franklin told this governor about how you know. Uh, he had this dream of having a printing press and uh, being really involved, having his own newspaper, etc., uh, and really making changes for the sake of the colonies, etc. And uh, yeah, sure, that was really great. But the thing is, though, uh, you know, the uh, the the governor told Ben Ben Franklin, you know, you know, yeah, you're pretty smart. Uh, that's why I'm your friend. I I really like you. You're you're you have a lot of potential in you. I see a lot of talent in you, etc tell you what uh 
uh, how about I actually invest in your own printing press business? And then Benjamin Franklin's like, oh yeah, that sounds like a pretty good idea. And so the governor told him, hey, well, I can get, I can acquire all of the materials. They'll be acquired in London, but I need someone to go to London to pick up the uh, the materials and the equipment and bring it back here in Boston, and then we could set up the uh, the printing shop from there, and then you can run it basically. And then Benjamin Franklin was like, "Wow, that's absolutely fantastic." And uh, so Benjamin Franklin put his faith in the guy, and they they, sh- they shook hands on it, and then. Uh, and then the governor produced like a, a manifest and a location of where where the um, of what items there were and then what items were to be picked up and where etc. And they hand and he handed that to Benjamin Franklin. So Benjamin Franklin uh, started selling things that he owned and then took all of his money that he had and then purchased a, a voyage to London. And he left. He left for London. When he arrived in London, he grabbed the manifest and then looked and went to the exact location where the equipment and items would be picked up and he spoke with the uh, the person there uh, who, who ran that institution and that guy was like uh, what are you talking about? There's literally nothing here. Oh, that governor guy sent you? Oh, he has a reputation of being a funny man and sending people on wild goose chases. Benjamin Franklin was effectively stranded in London in his youth. Uh, away from the woman that uh, he definitely had a crush on, who he liked, who he fancied, uh, away from the colonies, away from home. Uh, he absolutely despised it, and it was terrible. So what he did was is that he somehow ended up getting a, a job at a local printing press in, in London and worked and worked and worked and worked for years until he had enough money to purchase voyage, uh, a voyage back to the colonies and get back to Boston, etc., uh, during that time, he suffered a lot, he endured a lot, but he gained a lot of valuable skills, especially in the printing area, and uh, gained a lot of knowledge, and it, con- and it contributed to his mastery. Even though he got completely screwed, he was able to make it into a positive situation that benefited him, and that woman was still waiting for him when he got back, and he ultimately married her, which is pretty fantastic for him. You know, I guess he got lucky or and whatnot, but... The point was, he put his faith in that governor and, like, did it on a handshake. There wasn't even, like, a signed contract or anything like that. So he made a really bad decision based on a handshake like that. I've made handshake deals like that in the past where I've gotten screwed. And, uh, yeah, you don't put your faith in the wrong person. And the SI inferior can be easily preyed upon, you know, know, by a social engineer. So that's just one example. Um, So, uh, but why? Why? why why was that effective it was effective because the governor basically told you know benjamin franklin i choose you okay this is very significant it's entps are able to put their faith in the wrong thing put their faith in the, someone if that person comes up to them and be like i choose you i want you and the entp can like literally see the passion in their eyes basically of that person saying i want you i choose you why because what it does is it engages their hero function so like right here, the hero function, um, looking at the hero function, which you can't really see that very well. So let's go do that, do that. The hero function is expert intuition of the ENTP. And it's all about what other people want, right? Yes, it's metaphysical awareness, and but it's also aware of other people's willpower. And expert intuition hero is all about wanting other people to 
it, desire them. Like I, I remember, I remember one time getting into a fight with my with my ex-wife, and I'm like, why don't you ever like want me? Like why don't you want to desire me? Right? That's I remember having that thing. That's because my expert intuition hero was married to somebody who did not want it because any hero wants other people to want it it desires other people to it, it want it, it it's it's trying to be as desirable as possible it wants others to want it and to seek it out right and this governor uh is like hey i've been observing you for a while so uh and i'm very impressed by you you know so i sought you out and i'd like to do this uh, printing press thing and then benjamin franklin's like oh yeah and then he gets completely screwed and ends up on the other side of the world alone stranded yeah See, don't put your faith in the wrong thing, ENTPs. That could be an issue. So that's just one historical example as to how social engineering works on the part of the ENTP. So anyway, let's um, let's actually talk about emulating an INTJ and uh, and how that works. So we have uh, we have the INTJ functions right here. Um, so I, yeah, sorry, the lighting's like terrible, but it is what it is, right? Until we get things fixed. I wanted to at least get an episode out because it's been a while. So, uh, so yeah, uh, INTJ, um, uh, introverted intuition hero, extroverted thinking parent, introverted feeling uh, child, extroverted sensing inferior, and those completely match up all the way across the board with any hero, TI parent, FE child, and SI inferior. So, so remember the 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 social engineering method basically uh, is that. You want to get uh, the pessimistic functions on your side, and the only way to get your the pessimistic functions on the side on your side is by going after their optimistic functions and feeding upon the optimism of the person, so that the pessimistic functions let go of their pessimism, kind of become optimistic because they're following their optimistic counterparts, and then as a result of that, that person is not no longer pessimistic towards your attempt your attempt to social engineer them. So, so how does that work? So, for example, expert intuition hero is linked, and it is a um, it's an optimistic function, but it is linked to TI or uh, to SI inferior. And SI inferior, if an ENTP is uncomfortable or insecure or doesn't feel safe about your social engineering proposal, etc., they're not going to have anything to do with you, and they become very pessimistic, and then they just you know write you off and they move on. You don't want that to happen. You need the inferior function on your side. So how do you get the inferior function on your side? You have to make sure their hero is on the side because the hero basically dictates how the inferior feels or what the inferior is doing or what the inferior is seeing, etc., or what decision the inferior function is making. So you want to make sure that if you get the hero on your side, that automatically means you have the inferior on your side because they're linked together in the cognitive axis. If you don't know what cognitive axis is, I recommend you watch the lecture about cognitive axis or axes, plural, in season one of uh, the YouTube or uh, in the podcast. And then uh, TI parent. TI parent is very pessimistic, and the parent function is usually the function that's going to squash you because if an ENTP detects that uh, what you're saying is illogical or it doesn't even make any sense to them, they're going to crush you. They're going to crush you with their TI parent. And they're going to crush you with truth. And their TE critic is going to activate, and then they're going to walk around thinking that you're an idiot. 
and that you're not making any sense. That's not ideal. So TI parent, you got to watch out for TI parent. So how do you get TI parent on your side? Well, you ignore TI parent and you go for the FE child. And you start telling the FE child, oh, I feel so good about you. I value you. You know, you're a very valuable resource. You're so talented. You know, all these labels and everything that makes FE child so happy because it's like, wow, this person values me. And because the parent's like, wow, that person's being really, really great to my child. Okay, well, uh, that's fine. I, they, I like them then because they're being great to my child because the parent and the child function are on a cognitive axis with each other, right? And the parent, while it is pessimistic, the child is optimistic. So what you have to do is you have to prey upon, initially, the hero function and the inferior function. you got to prey on both those functions. It's very, very key that you prey on those functions. Remember, the object of the game when it comes to social engineering and ENTP is specifically to go at, to get, cause them to put faith in you. And that is getting their inferior function to put faith into you or into the situation. Because by doing so, at that point in time, you basically got them. You have them at that point. It's checkmate, and they will do anything you want. Uh, they'll even ask you what it is you want them to do. You got them. And you do this by emulating INTJ. And uh, emulating INTJ is pretty simple and pretty easy to do because it's just like, oh, hey, you know, uh, I see... You know, I, I really want you. I choose you. And I feel really, really, really good about you. And I'm going to give you, and I want to give you a very, very good experience and make you super comfortable. And, uh, you know, and you're really, really smart and very intelligent. And then the ENTP just slowly drops their guard over time. That's an issue. ENTPs who have been manipulated, who have put their faith into things, well, their guard is up. Their guard is up almost all the time. Their ISFJ subconscious consistently has its guard up. And the older an ENTP is, the much harder that it is to social engineer. But that doesn't matter. If you're still going after their hero function and their child function, those optimistic functions, the pessimistic functions will immediately open up and they will not, you know, defend their mind against your attack, basically, and you're able to win them over, win their heart over if necessary. All of those things can, ha can be uh, handled. So anyway, let's talk about tonight's social engineering scenario. And the social engineering scenario that we're going to be using, and also my very deep, dark secret that I'll be really revealing as a result of this social engineering scenario, is a social engineering scenario that has happened to me personally. This happened to me personally, and it started when I was five years old and lasted till I was 14 years old, basically. And the social engineering uh, scenario is sexual abuse. Yes, we're going to be talking about my sexual abuse. Uh, so I was... Uh, my sexual abuse started when I was uh, about five years old. That's when it first started, and then it lasted until I was about 14. Um, and when I was 14 years old, that was finally the time where I was, um, I was a freshman in high school or about to go into high school uh, for the first time. And I remember telling, I remember standing up for myself in front of one of the family members uh, who was sexually abusing me um, over, like, for basically almost a decade, uh, that I wasn't going to have it anymore. And I stood up for myself, and they finally, you know, they they backed off, and and it was never, it was never an issue again. Um, but I had buried all those memories over time, such that. It didn't even really come back to me until I was like 21 years old, which is when, which was when I first actually told my parents about the situation at 21, and I didn't actually get closure with it until uh, this time last year. So it's been, it's been about an interesting thing. It's like 10 years go by, 
you know, something, something positive happened as a result of that. And then another 10 years goes by and then again, okay, finally we have closure on it, but still it's an issue. It's been rough to deal with. And quite frankly, it's some of the greatest shame in my life. Um, and uh, so let, let's let's actually talk about the social engineering uh, sexual abuse scenario. Uh, so, uh, so to take care, take advantage of an ENTP in this direction, as I was taking advantage, you know, emulating INTJ, and that INTJ is coming up to the ENTP and be like, "Hey, you know, I really want you. You know, uh, you're you've been chosen, etc." And uh, you know it. Uh, and that SI inferior, the SI inferior, like basically needs to be groomed because it needs to be acclimated to being, to feeling secure, uh, feeling comfortable, right? Because at first the SI inferior is going to be skeptical because it's naturally pessimistic, right? So you want to go out of your way to, uh, you know, to, to to groom it basically, as I was, and uh, I was. Uh, and that and they and that happened because they they you know there's like oh ni hero uh, emulated ni hero from the intj and then uh, i really want you and i just felt i felt sought after consistently uh, there's there's actually an old um, comes from the song of solomon it's an old saying that says you know do not awaken love before it's time right uh, why is that significant because as a result of these people like coming after me and, and seeking me I wasn't I wasn't used to anyone at that point in time of course I was like five years old but I wasn't exactly the most popular person in kindergarten at the time um, but I loved kindergarten I absolutely loved kindergarten it was it was uh, it was fantastic a really great experience I really I really loved it I really enjoyed it but uh, after after a while um, it uh, you know uh, the abuse began, and uh, and it was it was great. It was really great to feel wanted, to to feel sought after um, by these people, uh, and uh, something I hadn't really had before, and something that really really super appealed to me, and it made me feel secure. Uh, Expert intuition hero was like, wow, these people want me. Uh, these people are seeking after me consistently. And it caused my SI inferior to actually develop some form of loyalty, some sick, twisted loyalty to these people who were literally abusing me. But I didn't know any different, right? See, that's the thing about SI inferior. SI inferior, especially in terms of the ENTP, uh, can really, and, and it's also technically true for ENPs or ENFPs, but SI inferior... Uh, really uh, means that they become loyal to their abusers, which means I developed Stockholm Syndrome. Yes, that's correct. I literally developed Stockholm Syndrome. And because as an ENTP, I naturally understand the, uh, you know, how to lie, right, and, uh, and keep up lies. I remember lying to my mother, lying to my family, consistently lying over and over and over to anyone that I needed to, and I would ma be a master of keeping up all the lies because I would you know, wear a mask specifically with these people. And I would lie about the sexual abuse specifically to protect the abusers all the time. I was loyal to them all the time. And it was our dirty little secret, right? And, uh, and the abuse continued and it, and it continued, it continued, continued till I was 14 years old until I finally said no, because until I finally developed enough sense to realize that I was actually being abused. Actually, I kind of figured out 
out before 14 because uh, there is one particular scenario where one of the abusers actually, to prove a point to demonstrate how much power they had over me, is that they actually told one of my peers about the abuse and both of them laughed at me about it and belittled me uh, publicly in a, uh, at a at a school bus stop actually uh, about how they were abusing me and then what they were what they were doing with me etc and it was very I was very ashamed and very embarrassed uh, that they did this to me and uh, it was it was absolutely terrifying because that other person that they told ended up telling other people and then my entire reputation at you know the school that I was going to was completely destroyed thank God thank God I went into sixth grade the next year and the school was doing some gerrymandering at the time with uh, students so they could maximize the amount of money that they were getting from the state because that's what schools do they gerrymander right of course everyone gerrymanders uh, if you don't know what that means look up gerrymandering uh, but I was uh, I was gerrymandered into a different school entirely with a complete different uh, with complete different kids, uh, kids I've never even met before. So luckily I was able to have some kind of a reputation uh, in there, regardless of the uh, sexual abuse that was happening to me by these uh, uh, by these family members of mine. And uh, it, it was it was rough. Um, Luckily, I was able to get through that, but, uh, you know, they, but to prove a point, you know, uh, later they, you know, it was, it was essentially blackmail, you know, I'm going to tell other people if you don't, you know, if you don't keep your mouth shut or if you don't do what I say, etc. Th those kinds of things. Um, and just, just as an example, um, you know, the, the potential, like, uh, though things were never really directly said, I understood what was meant, I, what was being, what was being meant by them. I understood the stakes. I understood that my reputation was on the line and my reputation was already being trashed anyway, because people were talking about me behind my back consistently, especially on the bus that we were riding. Um, and it was absolutely terrible and it was terrifying and I really didn't know what to do. And it's not like I could tell my parents about that either because I was afraid. I was absolutely afraid. And I had put my faith in the wrong people, the wrong persons, you know, as, as a, as a sexual abuse victim. And, and when I stupidly believed, oh, we, you know, we had something special. It was our secret. It was, you know, um, it was a really good experience, you know, because that's what they would do. They'd, They'd, they'd make me feel sought after. They'd make me feel like, oh, you know, uh, we're giving you a really good experience. And let me tell you, an SI inferior, especially in a sexual scenario, is definitely lit on fire. I was on fire. I could just feel the passion. I like being burned with their, like, passion. But it really wasn't passion at all. It was just power, actually. It was a very power uh, thing, you know. Even though, like, to this day, one of them still is like, oh, you know, that's just kid stuff. And I'm like, no, it's not, actually. It's not actually kid stuff. Well, the other one, uh, the other person actually admitted to it and took responsibility for it, which I'm very thankful that they did. And um, so it, it's it's just kind of like, it's just situations like that, right? You know, um, but Stockholm Syndrome is a thing that happens. Like, that's how you know you have the ENTP. From a social engineering standpoint, that's how you know you got them because they will develop Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, out of all of the types, ENTPs the most are at high risk of developing Stockholm Syndrome, even more so than ENFPs because of Effie Child. That's the other thing because, you know, my abusers are like, oh, you know, I value you. I feel really good about you. Uh, you're really intelligent. You're really 
really smart, you know, and we and and, and we want you. So my expert intuition hero was getting hit in a positive way. My effie child's getting hit in a positive way, and it's like, wow, this person values me, you know. That makes my TI parent let down its guard, you know. It's like, oh, you're 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 cool with my my child, so that's fine. No need to like you know use the truth against you, etc. No need to verify, especially my child thinking I wasn't actually like verifying very much anything course then again I also lacked experience I was naive so when they're telling me that they want me I my SI inferior lacked the experience that it needed to be able to protect itself and because of that lack of experience I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to react so I chose to not react doing the NTP apathy thing right because that's what INTPs do that's their main go-to is apathy but it's a secondary go-to for an ENTP right and I went like full apathy mode so that was that was another big deal as a result of that situation so it uh, definitely, definitely, uh, it got worse from there. And, um, but, but, you know, eventually, you know, when I was 14, I finally knew enough about how everything worked and how life worked that I was finally able to be strong enough to defend myself. But for some reason, I was still stupidly loyal to them. I was still stupidly loyal to them that I didn't even tell anyone about it till I was 21 years old. So I, another seven years passed before anything was talked about with anybody it was absolutely ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but that's how loyal the ENTP can get that's how Stockholm syndrome can take hold of the ENTP it's 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 completely ridiculous um, and uh, you know and that that level of naivete can easily be taken advantage of in a child this is why you know in sexual abuse cases that uh, laws like statutory rape exist because Stockholm syndrome is definitely something that can develop in in young people in minors you know in sexual abuse scenarios and it's it's something that has to be you know has to be managed and watched out for statutory rape laws statutory rape is a thing because because of Stockholm syndrome, uh, like if that person has SI inferior, if the victim has SI inferior, wow, you know they'll they'll defend that person. And again, I stupidly defended those people for for another seven years without with and finally broke my silence. It took it took that long to heal and that long to reach understanding and that long to grow up and realize that that was like not a cool thing. Um, you know the 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 loyalty runs creep. And let me tell you just how bad the loyalty runs. To this day, I'm 31 years old. But to this day, if I ever have a wet dream, it is always, always with my abusers. Every time, every single time, I can't get away from it for some reason. Now, luckily, I haven't had one of those in a long time. But still. And then I wake up and I'm like super shaken about it and I feel really ashamed about it. And the guilt, the effie child guilt that goes beyond that, it's just absolutely unbearable. It basically ruins the entire next day. And I'm, you know, trying to deal with the, you know, the emotional fallout from that. And it's like, wait a minute, you're an ENTP. I thought you're not supposed to be emotional because you have five trickster. It's like, yeah, because our emotions are based on guilt and not necessarily shame, right? Effie users are all about guilt. Whereas FI users are about shame, it's different. Although I can feel shame, but uh, it's like when it's like blatantly, blaringly obvious. It's not something that I default to because it's a trickster function. It just takes a long time to get to, right? So FE trickster or, or FE child is a little bit different. My feelings are based on how people in general would feel about something, not necessarily what I personally feel as like a moral principle uh, standpoint. So just, just uh, something to be aware of. But yeah, like to 
really to, to social engineering ENTP though, regardless of the sexual abuse scenario, uh, just understand that it's all about making them feel wanted or making them believe that you want them, that you desire them, that you are choosing them. Because that's what an INTJ would do. It'd be like, I want you. I passionately desire you. I want you on my team. I want you to be my lover. I want you to be in bed with me. I want you to go on this trip with me. I want this. I want that. And they're all about what they want. And any hero is all about giving other people what they want, right? So any hero is, is weak in that. And then as soon as any hero is compromised, then the inferior function is compromised because the inferior function is comfortable with that person because that person's like I want I want I want and then that person and then SI inferior is expecting to receive a really really good experience from that other person and guess what that's what happened to me it was absolutely I'll be straight especially when the, the younger I was like five six seven it was absolutely electrifying for my SI inferior to be sexually abused by those family members absolutely electrifying it, it actually to the point where SI and Fury would wait and wait and wait and hope and desire to have the next abuse experience over and over and over again. And then the Stockholm Syndrome just ended up taking root in my mind. And it was there for many, 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 many years. Nine years total of abuse, etc. And although, sure, during the nine years there was, you know, a bunch of dry spells, etc., but it was constantly seeking it, constantly looking for it, trying to always be around these people, hoping for another opportunity that we could go be alone, right? Because it was absolutely electrifying to SI Inferior. And it's because this person wants me. This means that this person is going to give me a good experience. Oh, they gave me a good experience, right? And then they, and then, uh, and then uh, SI inferior, my SI inferior would constantly seek or set up scenarios or even lie, cheat, or steal to make sure that those scenarios could come true again, so that I could receive, you know, another good experience. Here's another example of that. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Edmund, the character, ended up getting Turkish Delight from the White Witch over and over again. And that was like his SI Inferior getting hit over and over again with Turkish Delight. So that he would... Um, and it caused him to become loyal to the enemy. He even sold out his whole family for it. And that's basically what I did. I sold out my family for those experiences. For my Turkish Delight. You know, the sexual abuse. I sold out my own family by lying to them over and over again. And, and keeping the lie up until I was 21. Sure... I didn't know any different. Sure, I was no naive. Absolutely. I was weak. I was I was a child. I was a child. I didn't know any different. And I had Stockholm Syndrome. And I didn't break through that Stockholm Syndrome until I was 21 years old. It was absolutely shameful. And I'm very guilty about it to this day. But... I, you know, I, I, I'm not the only one that has to deal with this stuff, and I'm not trying to be all hashtag me too about it. I'm just being real here. Like, people need to understand that Stockholm Syndrome is a big problem, especially when it comes to ENTPs. And ENTPs can be easily manipulated into these things. Think of all those ENTP girls who are like... Um, in high school, for example, and they're the ones that are going to be going out of their windows in the middle of the night to get to their boyfriend who might be potentially raping or abusing them or something. Like, that's a normal thing. That happens. That's, like, normal. Watch out if you have ENTP daughters. Because once that SI inferior starts getting electrified, and once they're like, oh, this person wants me, oh, this person values me, oh, this person's going to be a good experience, oh, this person feels that I'm very, very smart and very intelligent and not an idiot. Wow. You think... She's going to lie, cheat, and steal, and she's going to have Stockholm Syndrome, and you're not going to be able to believe what she says. It's hard to believe what an ENTP says by default anyway, because we have this problem where, you know, we're insincere, because we're wearing masks for everybody, because people can't handle us being normal. Well, it's even worse for men, because ENTP men, 
It's not socially acceptable for ENTP men to be ENTPs. It's more socially acceptable for women to be ENTPs because the ENTP archetype is innately feminine, right? And people look at ENTP behavior and they're like, oh, you know, they could easily see how a woman might behave like that way, but like a man? No. So it's even worse. So if you have ENTP boys, it's even worse, even a higher risk, right? So you have to make sure that you're keeping track of your children in this way. You have to watch out for the sexual abuse because it will happen. And I guarantee you, because of how edgy ENTPs are by default, they are exposed to it way more often than you, the parent, think. I promise you. We're very edgy. We live our life on the edge. We are the edge. There is no more edge than an ENTP. So if you think that we're not going to get exposed to those things, you're out of your mind. I don't care how churchy your family is. I really don't care. Mine was some of the most churchy of them all. And look what happened. See what I'm saying? Like, you don't know your children as much as you think you know. Like, humble yourself and truly know them. Learn their type. Understand them. Parent them properly. I beg you. So, in summary... What is the method to social engineering an ENTP? Basically, emulate INTJ. Uh, target the ENTP's optimistic functions, their top four slots first. So that would be the hero function and the child function. Tell the hero function that they're wanted, that they're chosen, uh, that, uh, that they're highly desired, passionately desired. Tell the child, and then as a result of that, with the hero function, uh, the SI inferior will become super comfortable. It will start developing loyalty uh, towards uh, the the emulated INTJ, basically. Uh, for the uh, for the uh, the parent function to get past the parent function, which will stomp you in terms of like what it believes is true false. If what you're saying doesn't make any sense, to get around the parent function, you have to go after the child function and tell the NTP how much you value them and how valuable they are and how they make you feel so good consistently and they're so intelligent and tell them how they're so smart and and constantly ask this ENTP what they think over and over again because that means to them oh wow this person values what I think right and then as a result of that their child function will just end up uh, becoming intertwined with yours and their NE and then their NI nemesis will will think that wow this person's gonna give me a really good future because I'm already worried about my future already and then just tell their and I nemesis, don't worry. I have a really good future planned out for us, etc. Uh, you know, and <laughs> and the abuse can continue in this sexual abuse scenario. But this doesn't this doesn't just apply to sexual abuse. This applies everywhere. This literally applies to any form of manipulation or social engineering whatsoever, even financial. You know, uh, bringing in an ENTP and a partner of a marketing firm, etc. This is how you would do it. Or how to uh, get an ENTP to get into bed with you, etc. Very, very easy. I mean, like, for example, you know, if you take the uh, How to Social Engineer ENT or ENTJs episode and reverse it with the ENTP, the ENTJ woman just has to walk up to the ENTP man who's already at the bar and just be like, I want you. You know, oh, wait, that's exactly what happened to me. I uh, I got involved with this ENTJ woman, and she came right up to me, and she's like, hey, you know, we're, uh, I want I want to take you out tonight. I want, uh, and I'm like, okay, where are we going? We're going to this restaurant over here, and I'm going to order you the steak tips. You're going to love it. You're going to absolutely love it. And then while we're there, while we're eating, you're going to tell me everything you know about psychology. And I'd love to hear everything you know about psychology. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a psychology buff myself. Okay, sure. And then I go to this restaurant with her. 
I ended up having steak tips, and they were absolutely fantastic. It was a great experience, and uh, she's asked me tons of questions about psychology and whatnot, and I'm answering all those questions to her consistently, etc. And then she's like so uber, uber happy about that. And then, and then she comes up to me, and she's like, and then, or right after the server woman takes our food, she actually pays for it herself. And then she's like, "Hey, uh, I want, uh, I want to take you back to my place right now, and I want you to bed me right now." You and I are definitely having sex tonight. And I'm like, okay. And guess what? I ended up in her car. And uh, 20 minutes later, I was definitely uh, enjoying her in a physical way, if you know what I'm saying. But, uh, but yeah, it's I was social engineered, right? And it's interesting. ENTPs, <laughs> they're so crazy like that. They, they social engineer other people. They lie to other people. They cheat. They steal in, in that regard. You know, uh, they're, they're insincere in that matter. And there are times when they absolutely know they're being social engineered, but they love the experience of being social engineered so much, they just fall for it, and then they go with it. And it's that mini Stockholm Syndrome. And that's what I did. I developed mini Stockholm Syndrome and had a sexual relationship with that ENTJ woman who just happened to be 11 years older than me. You see what I'm saying? Like, like that was years ago, but still, like, uh, like unbelievable. But that's, but that's what happened. And, uh, and, and yeah, I, I did enjoy it and I did like it. And we had a, a, a good relationship for about six months until she left that the side of the country. But, but still like it, uh, that's just one example. Like social engineering in TPs is actually very easy. You just have to make sure you target the optimistic functions first so that the pessimistic functions are on your side and you're good to go. Watch out for the nemesis because the nemesis function right here, NI nemesis, is worried about their own future. I constantly worry about my own future all the time. And if you can make the ENTP feel comfortable knowing, hey, it's fine. If you fail, I fail. Or if I fail, you fail. Our futures are intertwined. The INTJ emulator just has to tell that to the ENTP. And the ENTP is like, great. We're joined at the hip then. We're good to go. Nothing's going to be wrong, right? We're not going to have like a problem, etc. You know, if, if I fail, that means you're going to fail. So you're not going to let me fail, right? And then the ENTP feels secure having a relationship with this person or going along with the manipulation or going along with the social engineering attack, etc. Uh, and then also, you know, uh, it, as you're emulating INTJ, make sure that you're keeping your facts straight. Because if you don't keep their, your facts straight, TE critic will come into play. And TE critic will take you out. TE critic will be like, well, that person's too stupid. I can't trust them anymore. But as long as you, as the INTJ emulator, has have your facts straight, then guess what? The ENTP is not going to feel that you're being, you know, insincere in your own right. Right? They're not going to question your thinking on it. And uh, that continues to uh, serve the purpose of uh, manipulation etc. Definitely a problem. Definitely something to watch out for. So just be aware of that. So in summary, that's that's how you social engineer uh, an ENTP. And and remember, like from a virtue and vice standpoint, because of how insincere the ENTPs are, if they develop Stockholm syndrome, they will defend the social engineer. They will defend uh, the abuser. They will white knight for them consistently this even happens in like corporate espionage or espionage in general if you watch tink or if you read the book tinker taylor soldier spy george smiley the main character uh who could have been an entp i'm not sure because i haven't entirely read the book uh but i'm in process he develops white knights for people he he infiltrates an organization or infiltrates a nation or infiltrates this area and uh and he causes people there and has and develops relationships with them so that they will white knight for him to protect him from any kind of scrutiny 
And that's what ENTPs do for the abusers. The abusers are causing the ENTPs to put their faith into the abuser, to be loyal to the abuser, so that the ENTP's ISFJ defender, which is basically like a knight in shining armor, essentially, will white knight for the abuser. So even when an ENTP is being abused, you can't exactly believe what they're telling you. You can't. You have to verify it on your own and prove it to them because they're so stuck in la-la land that they don't even understand the reality that they're in. I know I didn't when I was being sexually abused, and I defended them. I white-knighted for them till I was 21. And the Stockholm Syndrome was there. It wasn't broken until then. And I still develop Stockholm Syndrome to people abusing me every now and then from time to time. I did it. I did that with a boss who was abusing me for a long time. And I ended up being loyal to him. There's no reason for me to be loyal to him, right? Or or loyal to a woman in a bad relationship, etc., right? Like, like, people see ENTPs as these master manipulators who are not capable of being social engineers themselves. And guess what? That's a complete and total lie. They can be. They're just as weak to social engineering and manipulation as every other human being. If you are human, you are weak to manipulation. It's that simple, guys. It's that simple. So, uh, a final point. A final point about social engineering ENTPs. While it is easy to social engineer an ENTP just as much as it is easy to social engineer anybody else. While it is easy, a um, couple things. Um, they'll be loyal to you, the abuser, or you, the social engineer. They'll be loyal uh, to whoever's taking advantage of them. They will white knight for them. They'll have Stockholm Syndrome. But if the spell is ever broken, if the spell is ever broken, there is no type more vengeful than an ENTP. Let me say that again. There is no type more vengeful, more vindictive than an ENTP. They will burn down your reality because if SI Inferior realizes that it's being taken advantage of and it's made to be uncomfortable and insecure, that SE demon will activate and it will burn reality to the ground with absolute maximum vengeance. The ISFJ will feel that it's been slighted, it's an injustice, it will pull out its daggers, and it will stab that, that a social engineer repeatedly. So if you're social engineering, if you're not willing to social engineer an ENTP long-term and it's just a short-term play, maybe you're just trying to get them into bed with you for one time and you're good to go, <laughs> that's not going to work. Social engineer ENTPs at your peril. Make sure that you're in it for the long game, because if you're doing a short game, you're going to get screwed, because their vengeance will come out. And let me tell you something. You may think you're safe. Even 20 years later, you may think you're safe. But if your paths cross again, and they see an opening, they will take it. Remember, in a combat situation, an ENTP, if you're going to get up close and personal with an ENTP, maybe even bring up fists or whatever, and you're right in, in the face, and the ENTP is caught off guard, in that regard, the ENTP is just going to flee. But then they're going to double back when you're not expecting it, hiding in the shadows. And then as soon as your back is exposed, they're going to get the jump on you and land a death blow. See, that's how ENTPs work. Kind of like rogues in World of Warcraft, etc. Super invisible, then out of nowhere, you're ambushed. That's how ENTPs fight. They don't really fight fair. ENTPs fight dirty. Because just as Johnny Depp said, playing Captain Jack Sparrow in the... Uh, 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 Pirates of the uh, Caribbean or Caribbean, Caribbean uh, movie. Uh, he said, you know, life is all about what a man can do or what a man can't do, right? Whereas, you know, um, uh, 
Orlando Bloom's character, uh, Will Turner, was was trying to like be a goody goody about that, and he's like, no, life is not about that. Life is about what a man can do, what a man can't do. The ENTP is going to run, but just wait. Even if it's 20 years later, you will be ambushed, and they will screw you over completely as much as possible. And when ENTPs do that, it's not about, like, like because they have this... Here's another ENTP example. The Riddler from Batman Forever, uh, played by Jim Carrey, who's an ENTP, and he says, if you kill him, they won't learn nothing. That's the point. An ENTP doesn't want to kill. An ENTP wants to maim. An ENTP is like, wow, I'm going to have to remove one of their limbs. That way, that person remembers for the rest of their life. Oh, yeah, for the rest of their life. When they look down at the fact that they're missing an arm, they remember me. And they remember that they are that way, they've been weakened that way, that they don't have that arm anymore because of me for the rest of their life. And that is more joyful and more uh, uh, a better vengeance, a better justice to an ENTP than just simply, you know, killing the person, right? So remember, social engineer ENTPs at your peril. Because if they're slighted, they will never forget it. And when they have the opportunity to screw you over, they will screw you over to the utmost, the absolute utmost, to the last full measure. I tell you the truth. Hell hath no fury than an ENTP scorned. If you found this episode useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and leave a like and a comment while you're at it. Uh, also, click the bell if you want to receive more notifications for more lectures. Uh, also, uh, subscribe to us on the podcast as well. That would be dope. Uh, if you'd like to financially contribute to CSJ and what we're doing here on this channel on the podcast, there are support links below in the description of uh, the lecture here on YouTube and also on the podcast as well. We're about to launch Patreon. I think we're going to have it out this week, etc. And it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you have any questions regarding ENTPs, leave in the comments below. I read every single comment, and I think I have like two weeks of comments i got to catch up on because I'm like back right now, but definitely going to be doing that for sure. Um, also, uh, join our meetup group. Our meetup group, uh, we're trying to get it uh, so that there's meetup groups nationally that I'll be visiting places uh, throughout the USA. And um, I think I'm also going to be in Europe uh this coming next year as well. Uh, we're going to have meetups uh, for those locations. Um, I think the next place I'm going to be at is Orlando. I'm also going to be in Monterey and Carmel as well in California. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, if you want to get in on our live stream Q&A sessions, please go to the Discord link. That's also in our description below as well. And uh, we'll definitely... Uh, maintain or definitely get into contact with you'll be able to get in contact with the community and also place your uh, questions in the Q&A channel and then uh, we will answer your questions on our Q&A live stream so awesome guys uh, it's good to be back uh, wanted to do this episode pretty well and uh, just kind of share some of these things and uh, some of my uh, some of the shame in my life some of the things that I've dealt with the Stockholm syndrome that I developed and uh, the guilt and the shame that comes along with it um, it's uh, very terrible, but it happens, and it's important to raise awareness that these things do happen and why they happen and what happens psychologically to people when these sort of things happen so that people can reach a higher understanding of themselves and others, especially in, a, in such a way where they can help victims of abuse. 
I was a victim of abuse, like most people are, in my opinion. And then as a result of that, it's important to understand how we can help each other, uh, you know, get out of that abuse. Because, you know, as it is said, the truth will set you free. And we need to get people to stop being afraid of telling the truth and living in truth, like most ENTPs are. ENTPs are very afraid of telling the truth because they're afraid of no one wanting them anymore, no one valuing them anymore because ENTPs tell the truth and apparently that's really alienating the people and that's why ENTPs wear masks. We need to all be okay with telling the truth even if it hurts each other's feelings because it's truth that allows us to take those masks off. It is truth that frees us from those lies. So the truth will set you free, and that's why I did this lecture tonight, to share that part of me with you, this audience, because I love this audience very much, and we are definitely on track for changing the world for the better. So with all that being said, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good night.